0: fellowship, and love. What are you doing this Lent? The St. Paul Center is streaming their newest video Bible study for free starting Ash Wednesday. Based on Scott Hahn's renowned covenantal theology, this is a study no one should miss. Invite your friends, Catholic or not. Don't miss your chance to see this premium study for free. Go to stpaulcenter.com to sign up today.
1: Welcome to the INSCAPE podcast. The mission of INSCAPE and our podcast is to help people discover, embrace, and live to the full their unique personal vocations. In this episode, I talk with Christophanic and his message in a new book that we must take captive our thoughts for Christ, renounce false names, and claim our identity as sons and daughters of a loving father. I'm Dr. Joshua Miller. Our guest today, Chris Defonik, is an internationally acclaimed author and speaker. Chris devotes his life to inspiring people to live a bold, contagious faith. His live events reach more than 85,000 people per year, and his video and radio spots reach more than 1 million people every month. Turning the Tide in the Church is Chris's educational initiative. Today, we're going to speak primarily about Chris's new book, I Am, Rewrite Your Name, Reroute Your Life. So Christopher, thank you very, very much for taking the time to be with us today in this InScapes podcast. I really appreciate the time.
2: Yeah, good to be with you. Thanks for having me.
1: So tell us uh, a bit about your own calling at an overall level to helping people discover the hope that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Mm -hmm. connection between that and this new book that you've written.
2: Yeah. My whole ministry is really focused on what you just said right? For for people to rediscover the the hope that only comes from Jesus Christ, man. I think we very often as a church, let ourselves be pushed into a corner and we play the church on the defense and we respond to every accusation, every issue going on. The reality is that we have the best news ever. It shows us what the purpose of life is. It shows us who we are. And we need to start acting like the church on the offense again, like we did in the first centuries of Christianity, that even though the world was attacking, and even though there was problems within the church and problems in the world, the true Christians stayed focused on the joy of the gospel and how it transformed everything in their lives and made their lives better forever. And uh, that's all I do.
1: So what's the connection between that desire, that longing to be the church militant and be on the offense, and the book that you've written? Now, I've pronounced it... I am. I love the connection between that and our Lord's name.
2: You know, the gospel message doesn't just show us who God is. It shows us who we are. Mm -hmm. It shows us what life's about. When a child first learns their identity, it's not by looking in a mirror. It's not by looking at their accomplishments or measuring their failures. They learn it by looking at their parents. And in their parents' faces, they could see, I'm precious. I'm worth dying for. I'm beloved. I have inherent worth and value. These are all things they learn before they can articulate anything. That's what the gospel teaches us. We don't learn who we are by navel-gazing and thinking of ourselves all the time and by looking at our failures and looking at our accomplishments or looking at the tragedies we've been through. People define themselves in all the wrong ways. We learn who we are, what we're worth by looking at our God on the cross who who thinks we're worth dying for. That's a mind-blowing revelation, you know, that we have such dignity and worth and value.
1: That makes a great deal of sense that we find our identity in Christ and yet part of the big emphasis of the book, not a contradiction, of course, but you talk about Mm self-perception and renewing our minds in part by the kinds of things that we say to ourselves. That's right. So what's the connection between that deeply important exercise and also keeping our gaze upon Christ?
2: Yeah, we only know how to see ourselves, how we should speak to ourselves. By looking at him, and there's a spiritual paradox, Mm -hmm. right? We have to look at him. That is what shows us how to speak to ourselves, how to perceive our place in the universe, our destiny, and where we're heading to. And I think this is why a lot of the self-help that the world throws at people just doesn't work that well. It's not that compelling at the end of the day. You know, we've never told young people to love themselves more frequently than we do now. I think we've never seen more self-loathing than we see now in the world. Mm-hmm. Because we essentially have an atheistic worldview that we're handing on to people that says, you know, you are the cosmic accident. You are a lump of self-aware cells. Your destiny is worm food, but believe in yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't go very far, does it?
2: Yeah, yeah. You can accomplish anything, though, of course, nothing matters. Uh, okay, so why should I care? Right. It just, there's a profound disconnect there. The Christian comes into that scene and says, no, 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 we have something way better. Mm -hmm. We have something way better than secular self-help. And and, and I'm not trying to put down everybody who would do secular self-help work. There's some great principles and stuff we can learn from that. But we have a compelling reason to believe in yourself and to love yourself and to have a sense of dignity you carry around because we're created by a God who loves us, Mm -hmm. redeems us, destined us for eternal glory, That in all the universe, we stand out made in the image and likeness of God. But it's time that we start aligning how we see ourselves with that reality that comes from him. Mm -hmm. St. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, uh, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Mm -hmm. Most people are captive to their thoughts rather than taking captive their thoughts. Mm -hmm. They are uh, passive recipients of whatever they might be thinking all the time. Mm -hmm. this book's a call to jump in to that battle between heaven and hell that's meeting between your ears (laughs) and to start taking thoughts captive for Christ
1: Mm -hmm. oftentimes writers will learn a great deal and be impacted a great deal in the process of writing and I'm assuming at some level that that happened as you wrote this book so reflect please on some lessons that you might have learned and applied to your own life and vocation as you wrote I am
2: beautiful question yeah, I realized as I was writing this for other people that there's profound themes in this, obviously, for me, but those themes started to surface as I was writing it. The last exercise in the book. Oh, um, I'm going to get into that. Pages, <laughs> it's a great yeah, exercise. Yeah. But that was born of me reflecting on the name I needed most, mm. the, the lie I believed most. And you have to identify the primary lie you tell yourself and replace it with the primary truth that comes from God mm. out loud if you have to.
1: Would you mind sharing that with our listeners?
2: Yeah, there's a sense I had carried around for a long time that I was lacking in some way or not enough, and I think a lot of men deal with this. That you know, looks looks like a lot of guys go through life as if they're trying to prove themselves to someone who's not even there, right? Mm-hmm. And that theme of royalty—that I am a king—that that's who I am in Christ. That. Writing about that, it's like, wow, that resonated with me so powerfully. I have brought that up and say it out loud frequently to myself. Hmm. I, w- I had a confrontation recently before an event where there was a, a guy who just, you know, he was a good man, happened to be a priest. And priests can have their off days. And the guy was just being a real jerk to me. But it just it felt like a hit to the gut right before I was about to go speak to a thousand people. I looked in the mirror, I puffed my chest out. You know, the body posture really helps. And I looked in the mirror, and I think we're supposed to preach to ourselves. And I said, you are a king. And that weak feeling in the gut was replaced Mm -hmm. by that feeling of strength that I should have as a child of God, that no person should be allowed to take from me.
1: When we are grounded in that language, as you say, it's so critical for us, because we are kings by our baptismal call. That's right. Something that lay folks really need to recover.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. We are priests, prophets, and kings. Right. And those theological realities, we need to start doing the hard work to let them infiltrate our self-consciousness, the way we think about ourselves, the way we talk to ourselves, and that little voice inside of our heads that's so often critical. And some people think it's holy to be self-critical in a way that's detrimental. You know, there's the reality of our flaws and our weaknesses, but we can be at peace with that in the context of the gospel. Mm-hmm. That uh, yeah i'm not worthy by myself but he proclaims me worthy because he loves me and he loves me with a perfect fatherly love that's not conditional that destines me for glory and that should shape how i talk to myself too
1: oftentimes lay people generally speaking don't get the message that they participate in christ's priestly prophetic and kingly mission and that therefore they are in a very critical way priests prophets and kings yeah. So talk about that a bit and how your book can help to make a critical adjustment on that sort of a problem
2: I love the words critical adjustment. <laughs> That's great. You know, this is about making that critical adjustment in the, in the place that we need the adjustment most Right. It's in our thinking It's that call and honestly just the concept of this book I, I've seen it changing lives in people who haven't even read it Just that awakening that says oh wait, I'm supposed to think about how I'm thinking I don't have to be a passive recipient to every negative thing that goes through my head. My every thought and emotion doesn't get to vote in how I carry myself and Mm -hmm. live today. (laughs) You know, that critical adjustment happens at a fundamental level when we realize that the will has to get involved and you have to start preaching truth to yourself. You know, the whole purpose of all the preaching ministry of the church is so that the listener will start preaching to himself. God revealed his word. So we'd start preaching it to ourselves. Hmm. And, and that starts in an interior way. You see this affect the lives of the saints. You see it all throughout Paul's writings. And I love that he wrote all this stuff from, from prison because it, it shows that the circumstance is not why this guy was so happy. Right. <laughs> It'd so, be easy for him to say, rejoice in the Lord always, say it again, rejoice if he was sitting on a beach somewhere.
1: <laughs> but chained up is uh, a different matter, yeah. right? Yeah. So I love this connection between our groundedness in Christ and speaking that to ourselves and speaking the names of Christ to ourselves. I'd like you to comment a little bit more about that. And that is that the names of our Lord himself in our own names, what, what's the connection there?
2: Mm. As baptized Christians, we're part of the body of Christ, right? So there's a whole lot of things that apply to Jesus as we contemplate him that now apply to us, mm. that we are anointed ones. Christ means anointed, Christus. right? We're anointed ones. That he is priest, prophet, and king. In him, we are priest, prophet, and king. That he's a blessing. That you should get up and say, I have this inner light because of the presence of God in me, that I'm to be a blessing to a dark world today. That approach, that shapes how we carry ourselves Absolutely. Today.
1: And how we interact with everybody.
2: Yeah. That can really shape our feelings, too. Not that the feelings are all all powerful or all important, but it really has a huge impact. The way we think trickles into so many different parts of our our lives and experience.
1: And the self-identity that you focus on so much as well. Mm -hmm. So the book closes with its beautiful exercise on renouncing false names and claiming one's primary name and then identifying how the person is called to serve. And I love that process. Take us through each of those steps and why it's so critical for us to... You know, regain the offensive as the church militant.
2: Yeah, we all have, I think, a primary negative name we tell ourselves. And we, we see that in Scripture. St. Peter encounters Jesus the first time and says, Hey, I'm, I'm a sinful man. Basically, he felt he was called by Jesus and in that moment was telling our, our Lord, I'm not qualified. Get away from me. Mm-hmm. I'm the wrong guy. He bore the name that was the exact opposite of what God had planned for his life. <laughs> He was going to be called to be the chief of the apostles. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the devil worked his whole life to make sure he had the exact opposite name of what he needed to live out. Mm. And Jesus renamed him Rock, took him on a long journey to Caesarea Philippi, which is way out of the way in Mm -hmm. Israel. And there's a massive rock shadowing over the town. And he wanted to name Peter Rock in front of that rock so that Peter would have that image in his head the rest of his life. Every time someone said his name, he'd think of that. Mm because how you perceive yourself impacts how you lead, how you live. So w- what's your primary negative name? It's, it's it's helpful to do the painful exercise of saying, what are all the negative things I call myself? Where are they all coming from? And what's the main one that hurts me and hits me the most? Okay. So I need to jump into my thinking. Take thoughts captive for Christ. What's the primary name that I think he calls me? Mm-hmm. That I get from scripture, and there's scripture throughout my book that confronts that negative label. Peter needed to hear you're a rock. What do you need to hear? So we contemplate what you need to hear. And then I say, you know, latch onto that name. And it's helpful to reread a book like this again and again, just to form the habit of speaking beautiful words to yourself from God. Mm -hmm. But you got a primary name. You got to look in the mirror and say that every day. And then how you're called to be a blessing, you know, to recognize the particular giftedness that you have, to contemplate that and put that in action. You know, because at the end of the day, this book is about getting outside your head. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it, it lands on service and worship. I want people to take that look inside to find that primary name. But if you're going to dwell inwardly too much, I think that's, you know, one of the problems of a lot of secular self-help books. They seem to terminate there. Right. And they form inward looking people, which I don't think makes you happy at the end it Never of the
1: day. fulfills us. So yeah. give us some closing words. What would you like to leave our audience with fundamentally?
2: Yeah. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. There's implications for that in your life. This is not a theoretical statement from St. Paul. you got to jump into that battle happening. If there's a battle between heaven and hell, and there is. In a very real way, the front line is right between your ears, and you have to choose sides. The accuser of our brothers in Revelation, it's the name of the devil, wants to rip you to shreds and see you imprisoned. The advocate on trial, <laughs> he's the one who wants to set you free. And the Holy Spirit's called the advocate in Scripture. You need to choose sides when it comes to the battle between the accuser and the advocate in your thinking. And reprogram your brain, it'll affect your whole life.
1: Christopher, thanks so much for the blessing of this book, for the blessing of your ministry, and for our time today where you're able to share it with our audience. Very grateful.
2: Thanks so much, my brother.
1: God bless. Many of us allow lies about ourselves, accusations from Satan, to shape our identity. Read Chris's book, I Am, and put into action his message of identifying the false names we can dwell on, taking them captive, and speaking, even aloud, our true identity in Christ. I am a child of God, beloved of God, a king, a priest, a prophet in Christ. In doing so, by the Holy Spirit, we can be renewed and live our unique callings with great fruitfulness. This has been an Inscape's podcast. To learn more about Inscape the book written by myself and Luke Burgess entitled Unrepeatable, Cultivating the Unique Calling of Every Person, the accompanying workbook, Unrepeatable Life, an eight-week program for discerning personal vocation, as well as many other resources to support the cultivation of personal vocation, please go to inscapevocations.com.
0: Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at Woodhill Community Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit Toyota on Nicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com.